0: With respect, Congressman I don't think you answered my question. My question was, do any of the daily humiliations that Brian Baird described, um, as a progressive, are you troubled by the lot of the Palestinian people. Is this something that... I actually did answer that question. I said, yes, I I want there to be no occupation. I want the Palestinians and Israelis to live side by side in respect and security. That's what I believe. That's what the Israeli policy is. That's That's what I think the overwhelming majority of the participants in the area want. Hamas does not. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. Unplugged. Welcome to episode 53 of The Middle Unplugged, a break in the middle of the week when we reclaim the microphone from the far left and the far right and try to carve out some time for a less shrill, less extreme, and generally less angry conversation. A basic tenet of the show we do here is the idea that on the left and the right, there is an inflexibility and lack of humility that has hijacked many of the issues of the day. While this combat, rhetorical on the left and, as we saw on January 6th, literal on the right, is good TV and good radio, 77 WABC is doing gangbuster ratings, it is not great for America because it makes deal-making, compromises, and solutions less achievable. I hope this doesn't sound like I'm biting the hand that feeds me. I place a portion of the blame on ideology-based media, but... I do so as a liberal on a conservative radio station who has been rewarded by listeners for basically telling them the other side of the story. At the heart of this seemingly intractable partisanship is a disagreement on even the basic facts at the heart of policy and political disagreement. Even things like statistics that show inflation coming down, videos showing insurrectionists attacking Capitol Hill cops, and audio of the president, the former president, admitting that He shared classified American secrets, even those things are ignored or dismissed or just not believed by a significant portion of our country. But when it comes to Israel, there is a blindness by so many on the left, especially on college campuses. There has been a superficiality at best and kind of a willful blindness at worst when it comes to the history of the region. Last week, I tried to explain how many Arab states and Russia have been funding and supporting the terrorism against Israel. While I was on the air during the outbreak of the attacks, I try to explain the broad outlines of the history of 75 years since Israel's birth. To say it's complicated, it's an understatement. But to many on the left, the conversation is maddeningly simplistic. Free Palestine. ceasefire now. We have a problem with young people. And not in that get off my lawn kind of way. But the way that many view history, they simply don't. Can you tell the history of the Middle East in a Tweet or a TikTok video? Look, September 11th was 23 years ago now. The Holocaust was 80 years ago. The internet, technology, it all gives us the ability to look at, to read about, and to experience history in ways our parents could not imagine. But just because we have all this information at our fingertips doesn't mean that history is somehow less messy or easier to pack into a bumper sticker or a slogan. The story about the conflict between Israel and her Arab neighbors is not easy to tell quickly. There is a lot of anti-Semitism and bad faith going on right now, no doubt about it. But there are also young people who are trying to follow their north stars of social justice and peace and defending the oppressed. They are all well-meaning. But when you engage them on their slogans, like free Palestine, you quickly find out how shallow the understanding is. Look, I know this is a generalization. But these same young people who are quick to acknowledge how the internet and social media sends dangerous and untrue messages about so many other things in their lives, they seem unwilling to see the same danger when examining history. So what should these opponents of Israel or supporters of the Palestinians, what should they know? Or what is the next question after the slogan has been recited? What does free Palestine mean? Before I continue, let me stipulate to my bias. I'm a proud Zionist who believes in the mission of Israel to be a Jewish state where Jews can forever return. I'm proud of their democratic ideals and institutions and I believe in the sovereignty of their nation and their right to make democracy and use democracy to make decisions for itself. Even ones that I might disagree with from afar, like their efforts of Bibi to weaken the judiciary. So if you sniff out that bias, you're not wrong. But I'm also a father I'm someone who believes in the power of ideas and the necessity to kick the demagogues out of the room when it's time to make policy. So here we go. Free Palestine? All right, let's start here. Where is Palestine? Or to make it simpler, if you want a two-state solution, what are the two states? To be clear, there are so many in that part of the world who simply are protesting outside NYU and other places who say that there should be no Israel again. But again, I'm speaking to those of good faith. Free to be where? The West Bank? Gaza? Jerusalem? Or do you mean the Golan or Herzliya or maybe even Tel Aviv? I've explained before that Gaza has been under the Palestinians' control for a while. The idea of adding the West Bank was actually not even that controversial when they had negotiations. So how do you attach those two lands? A major issue in the idea of two states is that land might Israel have to give up to make continuous home for the Palestinians, where would it be? Or, more to the point, what do you do with the people who live in their homes there now? Call them settlers, call them settlements. But supporters of the Palestinians howl about them because they continue to expand mostly naturally, but also by government policy. And this has enraged the Arab world and made the Palestinians themselves feel more and more like the door to coexistence is closing. In the past negotiations, the Israelis have shown a, a willingness, a grudging willingness, to force their citizens to move to make space for this new land. But there have been more and more voices declaring an end to a two-state solution. If so, who can blame the Israelis for simply living within their own borders? So if you move, if you move the settlers and created a Palestinian state out of the West Bank, Gaza, and some way to secure a path between the two parcels, is that Palestine? Well, if it is, it was Israel at Oslo and Y River in the 1990s that agreed to that plan. The answer to these deals to finally create a free Palestine, do you know what it was? Well, Yasser Arafat said no and launched the second intifada in which homicide bombers were getting on commuter buses and blowing themselves up and Israelis with them. Free Palestine? Okay. But free from who? And freedom to do what? The people say free Palestine. Do they want it to be free from Hamas also? Is there any real doubt that Hamas is not interested in the best interest the safety of the Palestinian people? And if you're chanting that, do you mean you also want to be free to attack Israel once you get your own state? Do you want Israel and the world community to turn the keys over to a new country that sits on literal stones throw away from Israel? Should they be armed? Should the new Palestine be armed? Should Hamas, Islamic Jihad, Hezbollah, Iran, people who want a one-state solution and wipe out Israel, should they be allowed to set up launching pads in this new state? And how does a free Palestine stop that? Which brings us to the general idea of mutual safety and security. Don't you need a functioning government with a police force and all the other trappings of a working place? Who exactly is going to do that right now? Part of the mistake that so many in the Free Palestine Poster Movement make is that they seem to believe that Hamas is capable or has any desire to be a governing force. They, Hamas, routed the Palestinian Authority. But did they deliver on better services? Are they the ones to make sure that no foreign troublemakers come into the use Palestine again? Obviously not. But who? By the way, if you think that maybe the Palestinian Authority, with whom the Israelis have cooperated and negotiated with in the past, is viable right now, look at the West, the, the mess in the West Bank. Corruption and mismanagement has fought to less popular than ever. And if Israel gives the keys to the Palestinian Authority, what good would it do? They can't deliver on any of the commitments as long as Hamas runs Gaza. There were negotiations and agreements, as I said, in the 1990s, under which Israel agreed to give more responsibility to Palestinian Authority, give them responsibility to run things, also invested a lot of time, money and effort in making them as successful as possible. As I have described in the last couple of episodes, the two-state solution has been the official policy of the people of Israel for a while now. Successive Israeli governments have tried to carry this out by first trying to find someone, anyone, who could run the territories. Palestine is what they want to call it with the bullhorns and the posters. But who has been able to do it? And they've invested in billions of dollars in getting out of the way of whoever wanted to run it. But the Oslo Accords, the Y River Agreements, Israeli governments keep sitting down and agreeing to create a stable, self-sufficient land for the Palestinians. And what happened? Why hasn't it worked out? Well, part of that is the Palestinians have chosen terrible representatives. Yasser Arafat and his wife stole hundreds of millions of dollars intended for goods and services meant for their people as part of a culture of graft and corruption. They quite literally sold out their people. Then there were the next generation of leaders like Mahmoud Abbas, who could not only figure out how to get get rid of this corruption, but took part in it himself. But the larger problem came in the form of a sense, fostered by the Arab nations in the world, that supporting a two-state solution makes the aspirations of wiping out Israel less likely. The more self-determination, the more cooperation with Israel meant more uh, uh, opposition from, wait for it, Hamas. So what would happen if there was international Arab pressure and and to support the Palestinian Authority? What would happen not only... If not only does Israel wipe out Hamas, but the funding of terrorism dried up? Well, would the sun part and suddenly peace break out? No. I and most Jews and nearly all Israelis feel, for example, that Jerusalem should never be divided and not free, and, and, uh, not free again. They point not only to the biblical rights of the Jewish people, but also the destruction and pillaging that took place when others were in charge of the Holy Land. But even this is probably not the real red line. Some sort of power-sharing arrangement that respects the safety and security of the holy sites of the Jews, the Muslims, and the Christians is probably possible. I know these issues are tough. That's sort of the point. The simple bumper sticker like Free Palestine is usually on a car of someone who has either not thought through these questions or worse. The posters that say, ceasefire now, never seem to say, release hostages also now. And the young people carrying these posters rarely have an idea of what to do after a ceasefire. As I said at the beginning, I presume good faith on the part of these left-wing protesters. They say in politics that if you're explaining, you're losing. Well, there is a lot of explaining to do when you're talking about Israel and the Palestinians. And all it takes is one 30-second TikTok of a Palestinian teenager with a sling and a rock facing down an IDF soldier for some to figure out whose side they're on. But the issues like borderlines, governance, mutual safety and security, the status of holy sites, and decades of history of outside interference and bloody terrorism, this takes some time to study. I've stressed the last couple of weeks that the people that matter here— we're not the college students or their Twitter handles, but the leaders of our nation, and others who know the history and have stood up strongly for Israel. They're getting it right. But we can't afford to just write off these lefties who somehow think that Israel is not the underdog. No more can we afford to ignore the rampant anti-Semitism on the right. And we'll be right back with Ask Anthony Anything. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. For an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. So, welcome back. Every week, we like to do a segment called Ask Anthony Anything. If you're a regular listener, you're familiar with it. We sometimes take mail that comes into wienerwabc at gmail.com, sometimes on a Twitter page at repweiner. Sometimes it's letters that come into the station here, and sometimes it's Anthony D. Weiner on Facebook, various places. And then there are other times. That we respond to something that was said on the airwaves at 77 WABC radio or something that was set out in the public domain that I thought talked back to. But this week we got a question that came in a very different form. I live not far from Union Square, Manhattan, where there are almost continual protests and counter protests going on about what's going on in Israel. And it didn't take me long to find someone with a sign, a young person that said they were a student in NYU, that had a, uh, a poster that said, Israel out of Palestine. And uh, they were with someone that said, return the lands of the Palestinians. And I tried this exercise that I described before the break, where I said, well, let's get to the next part of this conversation. What is Palestine? Where do you want them to leave from? What is it that you're actually asking for? This young woman would not give me her name. She asked me if I was a narc. I explained I was just a radio and podcast host. But she said, essentially, I want, she wanted, the people that had been displaced in 1948 when Israel was created to get their land back. This is what is called in negotiations, the right of return. And I said earlier that there were probably even the most red, red lines like the status of Jerusalem. There's probably a way to work it out. The right of return can't be worked out if you mean it in the literal sense. To believe in the right of return, meaning that any Arab who has any claim on any land going back to 1948 gets it back and whoever's living in that land now has to leave, that essentially argues for the destruction of the state of Israel as a Jewish state. It is no different than if someone believes that the only way to make retribution for slavery or retribution to the Native Americans is to take the people who live in Oklahoma today or live in Georgia today and say you've got to leave your homes. The right of return is something that the Palestinians have talked about in these negotiations that took place in the 90s, that in Oslo and Y River and these other types of things. I think that at the end of the day, there has to be, and the Israelis have said this, there has to be some form of retribution, um, some form of, of, of funds, maybe even different lands to people that make those types of claims. But if you think about it, the one existential thing about Israel is it has to be a Jewish country, a Jewish nation, um, forever. And that's in its very tenet. When it was created after World War II, after the genocide of the Holocaust, it was argued that Israel had to be created as a safe place forever to Jews to return. So if you are someone who is arguing that no, the only land that the Palestinians can ever have that satisfies the demands is what is Israel proper today, you are not in favor of a two-state solution. You're in favor of a one-state solution and that is eliminating Israel. Now, when I confronted this young woman with that idea, she didn't frankly dispute the idea that that's what could happen. Um, And one of the elements that we have to come to grips with in that part of the world is that if there are gonna be a two-state solution, there has to be safety and security and a recognition of legitimacy on both sides. If someone wants to stand up and say that there is no legitimacy for the state of Israel and she should perish from the earth, That's not much of a starting place for negotiation. But I did at the end of the day have a conversation that turned out to be somewhat fruitful, if a bit exasperating. Um, When you say return the lands of the Palestinians, at least this woman had the idea that, okay, that means all of Israel. But a lot of people who say that in modern day protests really don't have a clear idea about what they mean. And that's why whenever I see reference to Palestine in newspapers or journals or in news reports nowadays, automatically my antenna go up about wondering what, exactly, what land exactly those people are talking about. I do believe in the idea of a two-state solution. The Israelis have stated their policy is to believe in the idea of a two-state solution. The United States of America believes in a two-state solution. Unfortunately, many people, that woman at Union Square, many of the Arab world have said they don't believe in that. They believe in a one-state solution, and it doesn't include the Jews of Israel. But I appreciate you joining me again. Um, I know it's been three weeks in a row doing uh, doing podcasts about this episode. Perhaps we will be at a place that um, we can return to some other issues. We are going to be talking about other issues every weekend on my radio show, The Middle, which is on from 2 to 4 on WABC Radio, 77 on the AM dial or, or uh, wabcradio.com. You can get a podcast version of that also in your podcast feed anywhere that you get podcast. Uh, it is in a different feed from the Middle Unplugged, but I do appreciate all your support. Feel free to stay in touch with me with ideas for future episodes, any mistakes I might have made. Obviously, the last couple of weeks have generated a lot of people who have different interpretation of events, and I welcome that as well. I appreciate all your support, and this marks the end of the Middle Unplugged.